Welcome to the one and only Circle City Cinema with your host and the one and only Zach Griffith. Welcome into Circle City Cinema. I am back after a very long hiatus, but it's not like I wasn't doing anything. I was on Linsanity for a very long time uh but it was a pleasure we got to watch some games got to talk about them got to own bryce shaddy and caleb lynn uh per usual so that was awesome but cinema is back and we're back with our marvel recaps loki which premiered last week and as always joining me for the marvel recaps none other than the founder alex burr thank you thank you it's been it's been too long since the Circle City Cinema, I believe the last one would have been the uh, Invincible Pod. Am I am I mistaken? That feels like one of the last ones. I think it was uh, Fast Five. That's right, Fast one. Five. The playoffs have been so long, it's ruined any memory <laughs> I may have had. So, um, I think Invincible it, was the one before that. Yes, sounds yeah. about right. Long time, long time. I think a Parasite was in there. Yes. Very long time, but uh, now that the playoffs are kind of slowing down, Cinema is going to be uh, back to normal, cranking out content. So, got it all for you. But today it's Loki. Marvel's back. Alex, you gave me a take right before we started, and I agree with it. Uh, your general thoughts on the series so far, and that take in particular. Yeah, I said that these two episodes were probably the best. Apologies if you hear my cat in the background. They're, um, you know, they're cats. They're usually up to no good. Um I thought that these two were the best two of the MCU shows. So like of the uh, Disney plus shows so far, because we kind of agreed Falcon and the winter soldier was a little underwhelming compared to what we wanted. And then WandaVision had very high highs, but it also had, you know, like when it dragged, it dragged, you know, like going back, I rewatched it with my mom when I was up there a couple of weeks ago, the first couple episodes, you're like, okay, ready for this to get going, ready for this to get going. And this, the first two episodes of uh, Loki kind of set the tone nicely. I'd say, you know, for the rest of the series, like in a way that the other two shows really didn't at the beginning. WandaVision definitely benefited from the weekly release, just from the way each episode ended and the, the like mysterious vibe around it all. Falcon Winter Soldier, a little underwhelming, but I still liked it a lot. Uh, this one, for some reason, you know, when WandaVision came out, Alex, uh, like Twitter, you couldn't go on Twitter on Fridays unless you'd seen the episode. I'm not getting that vibe from Loki for some reason. Uh, am I right in saying that? Yeah, I'm not either. Um, I follow some people, you know, who are very heavily MCU intense, but, you know, those people generally know not to spoil on the first day that it's out. I think it coming out on Wednesdays has something to do with this because yeah, Wednesday, middle of the work week. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, Friday, everyone's off on Saturday. Not everyone, obviously, but you know, Friday is just a good day to put stuff out. on. It's why movie theaters put things out on Thursday nights exactly. <laughs> instead of Fridays, because it's, you know, a good time. That's a good portion of the week. Wednesday is the middle of the week. Everyone's tired. I didn't get around to watching it this week until Friday and I didn't even do anything. So, like, no one, you know, I think that once we get back into the rhythm, 
like I think once people get used to the rhythm as the hype builds as the series goes along, I think we might see more of that. But I, I just I don't think the lack of hype is there, Zach. I just think that it's Wednesday's a weird day. Yeah, I mean the hype is there, there's no doubt, but Wednesday just a weird weird day. Loki's currently sitting on a nine point one on IMDB, only two episodes in. It's the most popular show on IMDB right now. And thirty two thousand votes going to that nine point one, so it's not a fluke. Um is it good to be back with this version of Loki, Alex? We haven't had this version of Loki probably since I mean, geez, probably since the Dark World, right? Yeah, well, you as you know, I have boycotted the Dark World. Um, yeah. I still have not seen it, famously. Um, I think <laughs> that this Loki is refreshing because it's the kind of arrogance that got beaten out of him. Like, it was still there in Ragnarok, but Ragnarok used Loki in more of, like, for, like, I mean, the whole movie was basically a comedy. Like, Ragnarok was, like... Thor's an intrinsically funny character. We're going to make Thor funny. And Loki was used kind of for, for comedic purposes in that movie. And I think it's nice to have the arrogance of Loki back where like he feels like he's never wrong. He always feels like he's up to something. And it's it's good to have this Loki back, I'd say. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, from the first Avengers movie, it seemed like they were playing him up as like the main villain in the entire uh, saga, whether you like that or not. And then to have him just like, to have that version of Loki just whisked into phase four of the MCU, I think it's pretty cool. But I want to talk about phase one Loki's rank among the non-Thanos MCU movie villains. I took out Thanos, Alex, because yes, just not fair. Here's some I had listed as well. Uh, Vulture, Vulture came to mind. Honestly, he was the first one. I don't know why. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, that's probably honestly him. And I'll, you'll go down the list, but I think there's one more in particular that stands out. Yeah, I had Vulture, Killmonger, mm-hmm. Red Skull, Hella, Zemo, Mysterio, Ultron, and with an asterisk. Winter Soldier. That's that's a good list. I'd probably put Loki between Vulture and Killmonger. Those are not in order, by the way. Those okay. Just, yeah, yeah. I'd probably put Loki if you were gonna make that a list. If you're gonna order that, I'd probably put Loki toward like he's definitely in the top three. Like I would say that that's he was really good in the first you know in the first Thor and really good in the first of. I mean, Loki was probably the most popular character coming out of all those movies back in 2012. Like, I don't remember much from back then, but I remember how popular Loki was. So I don't feel uncomfortable saying he was a great villain. And also, I don't... he was a great, he was a great, like, compliment to Thor. Because mm-hmm. those early Thor versions, he was like a dunce. And Loki was his, like, smarter more cunning brother and then gradually you know that went the other way but thor got you know thor was in better hands with taika but yeah go on go on with what you're saying i think if i was gonna rank them i'd probably go vulture one loki two vulture one i really love the vulture 
villain. I think it's so well done just because he's, you know, like it's big time and small time as well. Like the stakes are different because it's like, it's so close to home for Peter. Right. And I just think that he's probably my favorite. That's not Thanos. And then I'd probably go Loki two and Killmonger three, even though I like Killmonger better. I think Michael B. Jordan was fucking awesome as Killmonger, but I think I'd go, that's probably the order I'd go in. What about you? Like if you had to do a top three, well, those two Spider-Man movies, Spider-Man is like my third favorite superhero and the two MCU movies are very good. And those two villains are very good. I like, I like that version of Vulture because they made a smart move. And the smart move was not making him a 90 year old geriatric old man, like, like in the books. Cause that would have just been awful. Uh, I'm not saying that version sucks, but it wouldn't have worked in a movie. Uh, so I'm Michael Keaton again, lunch, like Michael B. Jordan just knocked out of the park. So I, it's tough. I would probably have, I would go Killmonger one, Vulture two, Loki three, Hella four, yeah. Red Skull five. That's probably what I would do. That's a good list. I mean, and then you you brought up the Winter Soldier. He might, you know, if it was an asterisk. Him, with an asterisk. I know, but <laughs> that movie, it felt like he was unstoppable. It, it really did. So. There's a lot of, like, really, I think the MCU villain problem is overblown. I think that over time, because those movies, yeah. like, I don't think I'd appreciate them as much if, you know, the ever the clear and present danger of, you know, the Winter Soldier wasn't there, if Killmonger wasn't doing his, you know, U.S. military training and burning the, uh, the herb, the heart-shaped herb. Right. Like, you know, all that stuff, it kind of adds up. And I think people, I, like, listen... Again, you and I talked about it. If Bane was in the MCU, top villain. Top villain, hands down, because he's so good. <laughs> and he's wasted on Dark Knight Rises. I'm sorry to say it. No, no, he's not. No. Okay, listen. You Dark, Knight Rise- Dark Knight Rises is good because of Bane. Thank you. But like, I think that if that version of Bane was in the MCU, he'd probably be the top villain, Like, even maybe ahead of Thanos. Like, He was just that good. But we like we can't sit here and act like the uh, MCU villains haven't been compelling. I think that's a that's a bad argument. I mean, in Phase One, there was definitely a case. Um, in Phase Two, early Phase Two, it was ugly as well. But um, you know, because you had Iron Man three, Iron Man two, very forgettable villains. Thor, Dark World. Uh, but then I would say, as the MCU's gone on, the villains have just been better. Because the ones we talked about, you know, Vulture, Killmonger, Hela, Zemo, Mysterio, those were all phase three. All phase three villains. Ego was good. Um, Who's the guy, the blue guy from from the original Guardians of the Galaxy? I haven't watched it in a while. Uh, Ronan. Yeah, Ronan the Accuser. Yeah. He's really good. As of like, I mean, that movie works more because of the Guardians camaraderie, but I think that the MCU villain problem, like, yeah, you're right. As it's gone on, because at first, yeah, it's been bad, but it was bad. But now it's now it's gotten much, much better. I'm, I'm glad you brought Ronan up, Alex, because 
we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I'm going to say it because it fits. We learn in this episode that the variant appears during apocalypses, so she can't be detected. You know what uh, is one tie-in apocalypse we could see here? The apocalypse of Xandar. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At the hands of Thanos. We've always been saying they got cucked off screen. <laughs> let's see it. Let's go. Come on. Yeah, let's save more of that talk for later. But I thought that was one of the scenes was really fascinating in this episode. So we'll, we'll talk about that more later. But I think that's, that's definitely something they could touch on. Yeah, and I agree with you. The 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 villain problems overblown nobody's gonna argue that dc has better villains all right nobody but marvel's they're, they're nothing to scoff at they're nothing to scoff at um and finally alex good things we've seen lately what have you got for us so i'm i haven't really had much time to watch movies this week um i will say anna was re-watching righteous gemstones i would put the game on my laptop the righteous gemstones of danny mcbride john goodman um adam divine like that show is fucking hilarious. It's on HBO Max. It is. It should be out. Season two was supposed to be out last year. Obviously, the pandemic happened, and it wasn't able to come out. But if like I recommend that show highly. It's like in addition to being a comedy, it's really fucking smart about like mega churches, and like there's a scene in there where they're uh, <laughs> where they get robbed. And he's like, no, we don't want to uh, we don't want to report to the authorities and have them check our books. So because <laughs> <laughs> to give you an idea of what's going on there. So I, it's really good show. Um, and then going back to what I watched last weekend, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I've already I think I've professed my love for that movie many times on this podcast. I went back. I finished Godfather, the first Godfather masterpiece of an ending, like really masterpiece of an ending. And then. Uh, the Blues Brothers, a yeah, cult classic movie, very, very underrated, very good soundtrack. Um, if you like, I would probably consider it a musical, like, you know, plot is driven through music. So, yeah, in a weird way, I would consider it a musical, but it's really, you know, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, Carrie Fisher, Carrie Fisher with just like the funniest fucking shit. Like she'll just show up out of nowhere with a bazooka and she'll just shoot the bazooka. <laughs> and it's like. It's just so slapstick and it's so like the music is so good. <laughs> like <laughs> Nazis. I fucking hate Illinois Nazis. <laughs> like just so much gold in that movie. I can't rec- like I know it's for- it's turning 41 this year, but I can't recommend it enough. It's such a good movie. Not a lot of great SNL movies, but that's definitely near the top of the list. It's, I would say you and I talked about it last weekend and I would agree with your assessment that it's probably behind Wayne's world, but that's probably it. Right. Right. It's, it's a short list, but it's in there. Uh, for me, Alex, a couple weeks ago, I went and saw Cruella in the theater mm. and you know me, Alex, I'm not a fan of these Disney, uh, live action remakes slash reboots. <laughs> Uh, but I, if you listen to this pod, you know how I feel about Emma Stone. I think Emma Stone is the best actress right now. I think she has Catherine Hepburn potential. Mm. So I was like, you know what? Emma Stone's in this. Emma Thompson's in this. I would have set aside my bias and give Disney some money, which, you know, I've done my whole life, but I'm going to do it again. (laughs) And it was good. It was good. Emma Thompson, Emma Stone, predictably amazing. 
Production design was amazing. It was awesome. Great music as well, Alex. And there's going to be a sequel. So I'm probably going to see it. If you're going to go see this, go see it in the theater. Don't buy it on Disney Plus like a schmuck. It's $10 cheaper if you go in person. So go. <laughs> Listen, I think HBO did it the right way in terms of a straight to, straight to home video. I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Did, you, it, did we even have to buy Judas? You could just no. watch it. Yeah. No, just watch it. Yeah. Because they're you're already paying fifteen dollars a month for the uh, for HBO. Yeah. Um. Can I add something real quick before we move on to the episode? Yeah. Not watching, but we did the Invincible Pod a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I've been re- it's the first comic book I've ever picked up and read in my life. And holy shit, Zach, I've made it about seven episodes past where they stopped the storylines for season one or seven issues. And let Good me just tell you, oh, my God, you don't you don't, you aren't you don't even know <laughs> it's going to be wild. <laughs> like because I'm not this isn't really going to spoil anything, but you find out where Omni-Man went pretty quickly after he leaves Earth. I'm not going to tell you where. But that issue gets resolved pretty quickly. So it's going to be fast. I can't wait for season two to come out. And I'm going to finish the, like, there's like a hundred some issues. I'm going to try to finish that before the end of the year. It's a good goal. I was thinking about reading those. And I was like, you know what? I want to be surprised. I don't want to try and predict what's coming. So uh, I have been reading the Ultimate Spider-Man books. I recently bought uh, an omnibus. Uh, and those are great. I believe Ultimate Spider-Man number one is the most valuable like modern day comic book. I believe it is. It came out it's like 2001 or something. So mm. it, I don't know the price, but I think it is. Uh, I also watched One Hour Photo last week. Robin Williams in like his first really acclaimed non-comedic performance there is no comedy from robin williams in this movie he plays a stalker mm. <laughs> who works at a a one-hour photo place in like a in like a walmart and he has this family has been coming and getting their pictures uh processed to robin williams for like eight years and he keeps copies of their pictures and hangs them in his house. Oh wow! <laughs> so it's uh, it it gets out of hand quickly, but it's a great movie. Uh, and then of course, Alex, you know me. I always have to sneak one of these in here. I woke up early one day, at like seven o'clock, on a Saturday. I couldn't go back to sleep, <laughs> so I walked over to my movie shelf, Alex. <laughs> And I was like, what is something I can watch that will put me back to sleep? Care to guess what it was, Alex? Was it a Scooby-Doo movie, Zach? <laughs> yes, it was. Yes. Scooby-Doo and the Cyber Chase. I remember that one. And I did not fall asleep because it was enthralling and I watched the whole thing. <laughs> That's typical of you. I mean, the Scooby-Doo movies are good. You know, what can I say? Listen, Zombie Island, classic. Alien Vader's classic. Awesome. Awesome movies. But Alex, it's time. Let's get into the episode. Uh, episode two. We're not going to go over episode one. Uh, I think we missed the deadline on that. But episode two, very eventful. So I'll read through the plot. 
and then we'll go in depth. The variant Loki attacks the Time Variance Authority in 1985, Wisconsin. Loki teams up with Mobius and the TVA task force to find the variant. Loki reveals his plan is to meet with the timekeepers, and Mobius smells right through that. Uh, Loki almost sways the TVA force, but Mobius makes him and exposes him. Mobius meets with Ravana Renslayer, who runs the TVA, basically. Uh, Mobius tries to convince her that Loki can change. She's not really buying it. Mobius also reveals he's never met the Timekeepers. So we'll see when they come in. This is only a six-episode series, so i got to assume pretty soon. Loki is tasked with researching TVA files to find the variant's advantage. Tries to get access to classified files, as Loki does, but he's only given access to his own files. And then he learns about Ragnarok, which happens, I believe, like, I don't know, MCU time, but... I think, like, five years later. Five years later? Okay, so that matches up with the real time. Okay, that, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and he finds out that the variant is hiding in apocalypses across time, so the TVA can't detect the disruptions. Loki and Mobius test the theory in Pompeii. It works. Uh, Loki and Mobius have a nice one-on-one convo that we'll get into. And the variant is discovered to be hiding during a hurricane in 2050. And then we meet the female variant Loki to everyone's surprise. So, Alex, let's start at the top. Loki teaming up with Mobius and the TVA task force. First, give me your thoughts on the Mobius and Loki dynamic. Oh my God. It's the best part of the whole episode. It's the best (laughs) part of the series so far. I mean, Owen Wilson is so delightful. You know what I mean? Like I've never seen an Owen Wilson performance. I didn't like, you know, even in addition to the MCU. Yeah. Even in like shitty movies. Like I saw, what was that one movie where they were uh, interns where him and Vince Vaughn were interns at Uh, the internship. Yeah. yeah, like that. Like Owen Wilson's enjoyable in that movie, <laughs> and then you watch a movie where he's a fucking scumbag, like uh, Wedding Crashers, and he's he's delightful in that. Starsky like and Hutch. Yeah, like there's never been an Owen Wilson performance I came away from. I'm like, I didn't say wow. You know what I mean? Like I <laughs> that was actually not a good one. Let me check in. Wow, um, that was better. So, I mean, he's been really good in this. Like going back and forth. Um, just really witty dialogue between the two of them. And I think Hiddleston and Owen Wilson, those are two like just phenomenal matches for each other to be in a scene. And I, I, I love that dynamic. Like, I think it's brought like, it's what's got me most excited about these episodes. How do you feel about Owen Wilson in this? I mean, like I said, he's a welcome addition. He fits everything that MCU tries to do. Him and Loki, him and Hiddleston together is fucking unbelievable. Some of the best chemistry we've had probably since, I mean, in terms of the movies, or uh, sorry, in terms of the shows, I mean, Wanda and Vision was good. And I'm not even going to count Bucky and Sam because they've been together many times before. But this is definitely the best. Um, what do you what do you make of Loki wanting to meet with the timekeepers? Should come as no surprise. No. We learn later he wants to overthrow them. Which would just be horrible for everybody. But it's no surprise, Alex. I mean, here's the thing, though, right? Like, obviously, Loki is bad. But are we sure the timekeepers are good? Like, 
they make pissed it... off, according to Renslayer. Yes. Well, they make it seem like there's no, like, all outcomes are predetermined and that there's, like, no free will. And, like, doesn't that go against, like, everything, like, that humanity should believe in? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't think... Like, the show is making it seem so far like the timekeepers are the good guys, right? Like, this Loki variant, the female Loki variant, she's coming in and, you know, she's killing all these... Uh, she's killing all these TVA agents. But then it's like, are we sure they're good? Like, are we sure they're on the right side here? Like, yeah, you know, you don't want interdimensional rifts, but it seems weird to proclaim yourself the authority on anything, right? And so I'm not surprised that Loki wants to get into the you know he wants to meet the timekeepers but like i'm not sure that they're that the tva's mission is as noble as the show is so far presenting it to be it's it makes me think about like okay so these people exist so how powerful is dr strange really you know how powerful is the time stone really does it does it even matter how did endgame affect mm-hmm the time the t- the TVA you know how come they let that happen so I, I don't know and like why was that supposed like they say in episode one they're like this was supposed to like the Avengers going back in time was supposed to happen Loki getting the stone wasn't supposed to happen but why right like if they was supposed to happen the way that it did why wasn't Loki supposed to grab the Tesseract and free like get free basically like why wasn't that supposed to happen you know what I mean like why didn't that happen every single time they went back in time Listen, maybe Kevin Feige is one of the timekeepers. All right. Maybe he's just saying, yeah, this has to happen. This is the way it goes. <laughs> it has to be set in 2023 from now on. Damn it. <laughs> but I, I just thought about that just now. I was like, what? How come Endgame was allowed to happen? But Loki taking Tesseract, which, as we saw when that drawer opened in episode one, they've had tons of Tesseracts come through. So I I don't know I don't know maybe we'll learn more as we go on or maybe they just, we just chalk it up to it being based on a comic book who knows uh Loki almost sways the TVA task force but Mobius makes him Alex what a speech from Loki here unbelievable speech I mean he you know the analogy I don't remember what the exact analogy was but like how he basically was like no one in Asgard listens but I do. And just like that whole speech. And then Owen, when he's done and Owen Wilson, like you said, makes him he's like, Owen's like, I listen to buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And it is like, that just goes to show like this show has a lot of like exposition and a lot of dial, a lot of monologues, but it's not boring. Not at all. Like, and you wouldn't think that from a superhero show, but they're letting them try this out, which I appreciate. Like, they let them try out the WandaVision concept, which was cool. And they're letting them try this out, which is also cool. Like, I really appreciate the direction that the this show is going in. It's going in a great direction. Uh, Hiddleston and Wilson, I'll, I said it once, I'll say it again. Their, their chemistry is making the show right now. And you can make a you can make a pretty compelling case Owen Wilson is winning the show right now over Tom Hiddleston. You could really make the case. Uh... So Mobius, he's kind of a worthy, not opponent, but like companion for Loki because he's not putting up his bullshit. 
He's basically like Thor was in Ragnarok, where he's experienced all the shit with Loki. He knows how he works, and he's like, you know, man, I'm just, I'm just gonna roll with whatever you give me because I know, <laughs> I know you're probably gonna do the opposite of what I want you to do. So, yeah. I wonder, like, because he says to Loki, "I know everything about you. I know your whole life." Like he, I wonder if he researched like Thor and Thor's progression into just accepting Loki's gonna do Loki and he can't do anything about it. <laughs> I thought my favorite part of the whole episode was when they're talking about, or I don't remember if this is the first episode or the second episode, but um, Mobius is like, "You're gonna stab me in the back. You're, you're gonna no, because it's this episode. He's like, you're gonna go to Asgard." You're going to come out. You're going to stab me in the back. And he's like, no, I'm not. Stabbing in the back is so boring. He's like, dude, I've studied every aspect of your life. You stab people in the back like 50 times. <laughs> and he's like, I'm done with it. I'm bored of it. And it, it's, it was like so. It gets such, old. <laughs> it was such a fun bit of dialogue. Just that like that little bit right there was just so funny to me. Oh, geez. Mobius then meets with Renslayer. Uh Again, some Thor vibes from Mobius because how many times did Thor go to Odin and be like, Loki's fine, he's he's all right? Or how many times did he go to uh, like Sif and those guys? Oh, it's fine, it's fine, Loki will be fine. No. And Renslayer's just like, no. No, this guy sucks. He's going to do what he wants. He's going to do what's best for him. So I just like that. But uh, do you believe, Alex... Loki can become the anti-hero version that we see later on earlier in the timeline for now. I do. I don't think he would be this level of bought in if he didn't see his own death in the last episode. Right. Right. That was something we didn't talk about, but just like, you know, if for whatever reason you're listening to this after watching episode two, but you didn't watch episode one, first of all, why? Second of all, you hate yourself. <laughs> yes. Um, but, at you know, at the end of the first episode, just in case you need a refresher, like he's watching, he sneaks back into the room and watches the rest of his life play out. And he sees Thanos kill. He sees Thanos. He sees his death at Thanos's hands. And like, I think he kind of had a rude awakening there. Like, yes, he's still going to be up to mischief. But I think the anti-hero thing, I think we saw the genesis of that in this episode. Yeah. Like I think I think we're going to see him be what he's cap- like I think we'll see later Loki in this series because I think he saw what happened and he knows the like the consequences of his choices and he's like okay let's see what's up now the end of the episode might throw that all into question but we'll, we'll save that for later. Well I mean they did a great job planting the seeds for this even in the first Avengers movie where at one point during the siege on New York Loki and Thor are like fighting one on one, and Lo- and Thor gets the upper hand, and he's like, "Look at this! Look at all this stuff you've caused." And Loki's like, "You see his face? He's kind of like, I only know this because I've rewatched it recently, uh, and I'm a degenerate." But Loki's like, "Oh, he's his face is like, oh fuck, I, I caused this. I did this." So they've done a good job. The MCU has. Like throughout the phases one through three, just planting those seeds and being like, Loki wants to cause mischief because that's he is the god of mischief, but he's not a horrible 
villain. Like he's redeemable. Whereas like somebody like Thanos, obviously not redeemable. Hella not redeemable. Killmonger to a degree. Red Skull not redeemable. So he's the most redeemable out of the main villains. But Mobius then a little interesting tidbit I thought reveals he's never met the Timekeepers. So that tells me, Alex, the Timekeepers are really fucking important, and you can only meet with them <laughs> if it's like time altering. Like we need to meet with these guys and settle this. Well, they did say the Timekeepers are keeping a very close eye on this case. We're going to see them. We're going to see them. Absolutely. Yes, we're going to see them. Um, Also, is there a little bit of tension between uh, Ravona Renslayer and Mobius? A little sexual tension? Well, can you feel the tension (laughs) in the air right now? (laughs) Listen, I'm not saying they've done it on the desk, but maybe. (laughs) Because he's like... Are you? Sh- I'm your. I'm definitely your favorite agent, though, right? <laughs> like he's like. <laughs> yeah, they definitely fucked before. That's I'm. I feel comfortable saying that they they definitely <laughs> had sex on that desk many times. Listen, Thor fucked Sif. All right. Black Widow and Cap fucked in Sam's bed. <laughs> Nobody's without sin in the MCU. All right. Especially I not mean, uh, Agent Mobius here. But then. Then where did uh, Bruce and uh, Nat hook up? Because you know that definitely. Did they hook up in uh, Hawkeye's compound? (laughs) Hawkeye's house? The farmhouse? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Maybe they did. Who knows? (laughs) And we know Vision and uh, Wanda hooked up. That's just proof of that. I mean, I don't know how that works, but yeah, I'm sure they did. I mean, I'm sure Vision found a way to do it uh moving on loki tasked with researching the tva files some of the funniest stuff in the episode also kind of sad at the same time loki learns that ragnarok happens and he starts welling up with tears alex yeah i mean he's tiddleston's done a good job of like basically what would happen if you found out like because, yeah, if you ask Loki in 2012, you know, whether he cared Ragnarok happened in six years, you know, that's whatever. That's down the line. But now that he's stuck in the TVA, there's nothing he can do about it. So he's going to be, you know, he can't prevent it. I mean, he wasn't going to be able to prevent it anyway. But now he knows all this stuff happens and he's heartbroken about it. Yeah. And I would even go back to the first Thor movie, which chronologically takes place one year before the show. Loki never said anything about destroying Asgard. He just wanted to rule it. So, of course, he's going to be sad that his home has been destroyed. Even Thanos was sad when Titan went down. You know? And he used that as an impetus to destroy the rest of the galaxy. Folks, you love to see it. (laughs) Listen, we all need inspiration from somewhere, okay? Uh, But again, MCU just does a great job of... Even though this is like a... You know, a different version, not a different version, but modified, shall I say, of Loki. The same values are there. So they've always done a great job with stuff like that. Um, And then Loki finds out the variant's secret, Alex, hiding in apocalypses. So the variant's authority can't detect the timeline disruption when he shows up. Genius. Genius plan. 
I this isn't in the agenda. We gotta talk about how Loki just ruined Mobius's salad. Uh, <laughs> like just totally <laughs> fucked his salad up. Like I want that salad. I want that like he's like, no, I want that salad. And he <laughs> I'm gonna work on my own Wilson impression and I won't just I'll be better than just wow by the end of the season. You wait. I'm gonna work on it. But Wow. Wow. Um <laughs> like the that scene is just so funny where he's just ruining Mobius's salad and just like pouring all this shit on it while not doing that great of a job of explaining what he's trying to get across. Like he's very smart and he figured it out, but he would not be a good teacher. Jet skis as well. Very, a lot of questions about jet skis. Why he's so fascinated by them. <laughs> Simple you, answer too. Cause they're awesome. <laughs> wow. That would have been like definite spot for a wow. Like they, they have to give us a wow at some point. Like Marvel's been so big about fan service during like this MCU, like during the Disney Plus run, they have to give us a wow. Like that's not obviously Marvel fan service, but that's you know fan fan service. What about a kachow from Lightning? Kachow. <laughs> Be Disney synergy. So yeah, I guess that works. Be very easy to do. <laughs> He's driving, he goes, kachow. <laughs> um I mean, we have to be real. Loki's, you know, Loki Loki is as smart as he says he is. He is as smart as he says he is. Absolutely is. Yeah, he's arrogant. Yeah, he's a a fucker, but he's as smart as he says he is. Like, he figured this out pretty damn quickly. And, yeah, you know, his intentions might not be the purest, but you get shit done. Yeah, and he's not like a Banner Stark smart him smart he's like cunning cunning i mean that's how he teamed up with thanos that's how he teamed up with the other that's how he almost took over new york so he, he might he's the most cunning villain in the mcu i think that's very fair to say yes i would i would agree with that um so they test this theory in pompeii what i mean great place great place to test it he starts telling them they're all gonna die <laughs> and there was no variant energy detected so the theory is proven and then loki and mobius have a nice one-on-one convo about what you were talking about earlier alex the you know is there really is our fate predetermined and stuff like that it's really deep honestly deeper than yeah. i was expecting yeah, I mean, you don't expect this. Like, a lot of stuff we didn't expect from an MCU show, right? But, like, we really didn't expect this. Like, it's this episode is weirdly religious, right? Because if you think about it, the TVA is kind of a religion. Right. Like, it's kind of like, okay, you know, we were created by the timekeepers. We're here. We're here to serve this purpose. And then when we're done serving the purpose, we die. Like, it's it seems pretty religious to me. And then... I love the part where they both explain, you know, their like origin stories, right? And how like they both think it sounds absurd. Right. I appreciate that. I I thought it was great. Like just really the conversation as a whole. Like the, in the first episode, I think their convert like the first conversation between Loki and Mobius was 10 minutes and it did not feel like it was 10 minutes. Like that's the kind of chemistry those two have. And the more you can incorporate it into the episodes, the better the episode's going to be. You know, the more you think about Owen Wilson and the movies he's been in, I think he's had great chemistry with everybody he's worked with. I can't think of one movie where I was like, 
Uh, him and Owen Wilson, they didn't really work together. They didn't really work well together. I mean, how interesting would Vince Vaughn's career have been if you hadn't met Owen Wilson? Right. Right. I mean, Wedding Crashers, I've never seen Swingers. But Wedding Crashers doesn't work without Owen Wilson. Just doesn't. Right. No, it doesn't. You can make the same case for Zoolander and movies like that. It just... I mean, Starsky and Hutch should have sucked. And some people might say it sucks. I don't think it sucks. I think it's funny. I think it has a lot of good moments. Snoop Dogg is really good in it. But <laughs> like him and Ben Stiller. What would Ben Stiller's... I think Ben Stiller comedically would have been fine without Owen Wilson, but he was certainly put up to another level with Owen Wilson. No doubt about it. I don't think Owen Wilson was in Dodgeball. That movie could have really used Owen Wilson. Yeah, it could have. It really could have. <laughs> he wasn't in old school either. His brother was. Luke. Luke. Wow. <laughs> Luke Wilson's all right. He kind of disappeared, but. Listen, I just. Uh, I just can't. I think Owen Wilson is kind of like. What's he like? He's he's Ben Zobrist, right? You'll appreciate this comparison, Zach. You could throw Ben Zobrist all over the baseball field. He would give you consistent production in whatever you needed, World right? Series MVP, Ben Zobrist. Exactly. Like, think, like, let's just go with Night at the Museum, right? Stupid kids movie, if you think about it. But he's one of the best parts of it playing the, you know, the cowboy. Right. The mini cowboy. And obviously, you know, that's cast is loaded. You got Stiller. You got a Robin Williams. You got a bunch of other people. But, like, Owen Wilson... To my for my money is one of the best parts of that whole movie. You just go down the line of his, you know, filmography, and like, yeah, I think that he's really good. I'm gonna look up real quick what he's done in the past like five years because I can't. Sit. I know I he's heard, in Cars Three, unfortunately, but I heard some people were saying that he was. This was kind of like Travolta and Pulp Fiction for him, and I'm like, damn, I really haven't seen him in anything. Well, he's in the new Wes Anderson movie, The French Dispatch, which comes out later this year. He's done a ton of work with Wes Anderson, and honestly, he's been awesome in all of those. Uh, Cars 3. All right, so from 18 to 20, he was not in a movie. Yeah. And then this year, or yeah, this year he did a movie called Bliss, which I have not heard of, honestly. Him and Salma I mean, Hayek. I mean, hey. You know, anytime you can make a movie that no one's ever heard of, you got to do it. It was released on Prime, if you want to watch it. Oh, I think Wilson I'll pass, but... <laughs> and then The French Dispatch, which comes out uh, July 6th. Premieres at Cannes Cannes Film Festival on July 6th. And then comes out on October 22nd. In Damn, the they've really... They're putting out a shit ton of movies this year, huh? This is going to be a really good big year for her. Circle City Cinema podcast. Yeah, yeah. French Dispatch is going to be featured on here. Um, Wes Anderson is very admired on this show. He's, he, I mean, he's not in my top ten favorites, but I've got a ton of his movies in my collection. French Dispatch, I'm sure, will be added at some point. But anyway, back to the show. Loki. Uh, so they go to the hurricane in 2050, which is basically at like a futuristic Walmart, would you say, Alex? Mm -hmm. Or Menards or something like that? Kind of like a mix of a Menards or like a 
not Costco per se, but kind of like that. Yeah, kind of like that. Uh, Loki meets the variant Loki, who, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but Loki could change into other people like we saw. Mm-hmm. Like we saw he changed into like Captain America briefly, changed mm-hmm. into Odin for like three years. <laughs> but did he ever like transport from one body to another? He didn't. I, I don't think so. I think this is a different, you know, obviously this is a different Loki and she has different powers than Loki does. Yeah. And how shocked were you to see there was a female version? Because I'm really glad. I was expecting just another Tom Hiddleston. And then when I right. saw that wasn't that, I was like, cool. I'm glad it wasn't. You, you know what my first thought was when I watched the episode? I think you'll appreciate this. So, you know, I bring up a lot of budgetary concerns, right? Like, you know, that's that's kind of my bag where I'm like, okay, this is obviously where they cut some money and they say they cut some budget and save some money here. I know where you're going with this. I thought that it was they were saving money so they didn't have to CG another Tom Hiddleston <laughs> when they were going through the... Like, that was my first thought. It's fair. And then when they're... When there's a woman on the screen, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I was like, whoa, what's going on here? And then I, it was a good surprise because I thought they were just trying to save money by not having another Tom Hiddleston on there. <laughs> but it, I was, I would say out of 10, I would give myself an eight in terms of surprise. Very surprised. And does that mean like that Loki's Thor is a female as well? I'm not sure. Who's, I mean, like, who's to say? You know, I doubt we'll, Maybe ever we'll find out who knows. I mean, we're, I know we're getting into all the multiverse shit relatively soon. So that's going to break my brain. I'm very simple. I can't, I can't think that far ahead, but <laughs> I can't think that that much, but I mean, we don't know where the fuck they went. No they opened. I mean, let's just say it. They opened first off female variant rejects Loki's offer to overthrow the timekeepers, which is like, okay, she doesn't care about ruling the timeline. She's up for something bigger and then we find out right after that she creates like a hundred new branches on the sacred timeline absolutely fucks it up as you like to say chaos <laughs> chaos to quote my boy little finger chaos is in a pit chaos is a ladder <laughs> so who knows where they went probably somewhere else in time who knows but episode three I, I can't wait because I have no idea where they're going you're absolutely right fucking with the timeline and multiverse already because we thought we were going to get a little bit of that in WandaVision and we didn't. Uh, didn't happen in Falcon Winter Soldier. And I I thought, well, we're just going to have to wait till Multiverse of Madness or or No Way Home. But now we're getting it. And perhaps uh, opening the door for those movies. So, Alex, this was a phenomenal episode. Of episode. Yes, it was. It, it was I out of 10 I would give it a 9 like I really enjoyed it yeah I, I agree with you it's I agree with the IMDB rating at first I was like eh 9.1 come on but now it's like well actually this is some of the best acting that we've had the best chemistry we've had as we talked about and a surprise that we did not see coming at the end of this episode so opening the door for the future of the MCU as well. So, uh, Alex, I have a history lesson. Let's, let's hear it. I, w- I need to hear this history lesson because I, I don't know anything about it. Uh, the Time Variance Authority. Uh, I will admit I, I uh, had limited experience with them. I think I had read two books 
in my whole life dealing with the TVA, and I never thought of them again until they were brought up. So this is from uh, a fandom site that I found. So the TVA claims responsibility for monitoring the multiverse and can prune time can prune timelines if they are deemed too dangerous to exist. They also take action to prevent other beings from altering the past or the future. They were first seen allowing Justice Peace, a lawman from the future, to travel to the 20th century in order to stop the killer Zaniac. Peace is able to succeed in his mission thanks to the assistance of Thor. Justice Peace, what a hell of a name. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it almost sounds too good to be true. (laughs) Despite their claims, the TVA's influence over time is not absolute. The scope of their influence is bordered by Alioth in the distant past, as well as Kang the Conqueror, somebody who I hope to see uh, in the future. Probably not in this one, but we'll see. Uh, There have also been numerous incidents of time travel or reality tampering where the TVA has failed to interfere. At the end of time, the last director of the TVA creates the Timekeepers, the last three beings who exist in the remaining timeline in the universe. You remember the three statues in uh, Renslayer's office representing the three timekeepers. However, this process also ends up creating the Time Twisters, a trio of beings who imperiled all realities until stopped by Thor and other members of the Avengers. So could uh, we get a third Loki variant and those could be the Time Twisters? Maybe. That would be interesting. Who knows, folks? I know they're bringing back the Loki for a second season, so maybe that's the second season. I hope so. I hope so. More Hiddleston, please. More Hiddleston, please. Alex, take this next question here. All right, Zach. What are your thoughts on the Mephisto stained glass window from the first episode? Well, first off, that was Mephisto. It absolutely was. (laughs) After uh, nine weeks of speculating... He was going to show up in WandaVision, and he never did. Is this just like a a fuck you? <laughs> like, here he is. Enjoy it. Yeah, I'm oh, honestly... God. I'm sick of hearing about Mephisto. Like, get over <laughs> yourself. Do it in the playoffs, please. Mephisto, get out of here. Like, I mean, it's it's just... I'm sick of it. You're right, because we did hear about it for all those weeks of WandaVision. We're like, oh my God, is this the week Mephisto shows up? Oh my God, is this the week Mephisto shows up? And I think... When we think back on WandaVision, if it seems disappointing, it's because during the, you know, during the time it was on, it got ridiculously overhyped, like ridiculously, because we're like, oh, my God, are we going to see Mephisto? They're going to involve like, remember, they thought the fucking rabbit was Mephisto. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was fantastic. was going to show up. Yeah. Like that was a legit thing. Like we're like, oh, my God. You know, this is where they're gonna bring in the X Men because they brought in, you know, Pietro, oh. and they fucking made it a boner joke. Like, listen, Wandavision, very good show. Honestly, if it wasn't for the hype, it would have been a very satisfying ending. But I can't say I was satisfied. I can't. Listen, it's not. It's it's not Wandavision's fault that it was over. No, no, because that was the first MCU content since. Far from home. So we're talking a year and a half. And the weekly release, like we said at the top, that show is the biggest beneficiary of that. Work to its benefit 
unbelievably. So I'm with you. WandaVision, good show. Am I ever going to watch it again? Maybe. Probably not. It was like, I watched it again. You know, I watched it with my mom. And, you know, the the Monica stuff was like, they really gave us a lot of stuff in WandaVision, right? Like not to keep relitigating WandaVision. They gave us Monica getting her powers, right? They gave us Wanda, you know, Wanda becoming the Scarlet Witch. It gave us Agatha. It gave us White Vision. Gave us great stuff. Great stuff. It it gave us a lot of stuff, like, you know, to be thankful for, but it really got out of control. (laughs) It really got out of control. And we should have known, you know, when that Monica maybe was going to be a bigger part of the story than we thought she was going to. We should have known, you know, all this other stuff, but not to, not to relitigate WandaVision because I feel like we're going to do that a lot in the future, but I think it's going to get a lot of flack. I mean, I just did give it some flack, but again, you're right. It's not WandaVision's fault. And you know, it's one of those things like we're five months removed from WandaVision. Like we can look back with a new perspective, like, yeah, wasn't as good as we thought it was in the moment, but still good. Yeah, like it's like an eight point five out of ten. You know, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like yeah. for the whole series and for nine episodes, that's not you know that's not easy to maintain a consistent narrative over nine episodes. Like it petered out towards the end, no doubt. Like the ending was pretty anticlimactic. But you called think- the ending, by the way. You called Agatha Harkness. Oh yeah, I did. I totally. <laughs> I saw that right from the jump. You did. And hey, you know, I'm not here to take credit for think my victories I've already claimed, but hey, I'll take one more victory lap on that. Why not? <laughs> but yeah, like it was that was the part that was most interesting was watching Agatha, you know, again, with the benefit of knowing what was gonna happen. I thought that was extra fascinating, but yeah. I mean, Mephisto, get out of here, please. I mean, listen. Maybe he's going to play a part. Maybe not. But it was nice to see the stained glass window and actually be like, that is Mephisto. There's no question about it. That is him. But anyway, Alex, to finish up, who's your big winner of episode two? I mean, it's Owen Wilson. Like, I feel like I'm comfortable saying that. Like, he's back. Like, he's, you know, it's weird to think that he left, but he's back. And I'm, I'm glad that Owen Wilson is doing this role. I mean, he, he's really, to me, the big winner of this episode. Like, I know, you know, I could go characters. I could go uh, futuristic shopping m- malls in 30 years. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Owen Wilson, though. I'm going to go with the character and say the Loki variant. Because she just caused a shit ton of problems for the TVA. Uh, did she even say anything in her true form? Did she say a word? I don't think she did. So she came in, hit a three at the buzzer, a walk-off three, like a Dame Time three, and then Mm -hmm. was was like, let's go. And Loki just followed her. (laughs) Who's your big loser? Big loser. Oh, man. This is pretty cut and dry for me personally. I I mean... If I had to think about it, I'd probably go with, I mean, the TVA as a whole. That was what I went with. <laughs> like, just L after L in this whole episode. Like <laughs> One of their spe- own kidnapped. Here, I'll, I'll give a special one. The timekeepers caught in L because now this Loki variant knows where they are. So they're yep. in danger. Yeah. 
That's who I had as well. The TVA, just in general, as a team, as an organization, L, much like the Utah Jazz last night. Alex, time to plug. Time to plug. All right, let's get going then. Um, so power hour, Dylan went on vacation and we came back last week and it was a raucous episode. We had a lot to talk about folks, like a lot. I thought it was going to be two and a half hours. We clocked in at hour 42. When you consider we had first round series to wrap up coaches firing. We talked about all the coaches that got fired. We had to talk about Chris Paul, Kawhi Leonard. We had to talk about all that stuff. So we did that in an hour 42. Listen, Dylan and I, you know, we could be accused of being long-winded. So we deserve, I think we deserve props for talking about all that in an hour and 42 minutes. Did you talk about Rick Carlisle to the Pacers? We, I think, (laughs) actually, I did have him rank, I believe, or wait, did I not? I might've had him rank one through four, which slots he would want to go to. Um, He said the Pacers were, I gave him the Bucks, the Celtics, the Pacers and the Blazers. And, um, he had the Pacers and the Blazers tied for last. Who would you... Uh, what do you think is a better job right now, the Blazers or the Pacers? I would probably go with the Pacers just because, like, the Blazers, man. Whew. They seem to have a hard cap. They have a hard cap. They um, Their owner, Paul Allen, died, and right. now his sister's running the show. And as we all know, Paul Allen, while he was alive, was pretty luxury tax friendly, right? right? He's one of you know the richest people in the world. Microsoft money. We know those Microsoft guys made huge amounts of money. He doesn't care. He didn't care, but now he's gone, and his sister's in charge, and she doesn't seem as inclined, <laughs> right, to spend the money. So we'll see. And then also, um, their defense. Whew. I, ouch. <laughs> Like, again, they were so bad. I thought the Nuggets could hang with the Suns. (laughs) Like, that should tell you all you need to know. Period. (laughs) It It was so bad, but I think I'd go with the Pacers because whatever changes they make, there's really nowhere to go but up. Here's what I'll say about my Pacers. We haven't been healthy since the 17, 18 season. It's just a fact. Um, we have a nice, I don't know what you call it, quartet, Lavert, Sabonis, Turner, Warren. And we have some good trade assets if it comes to that. Brogdon yes. being at the top of my list. I know you disagree, but I oh, think no, I Brogdon think, needs to go. I think he should be traded too, probably, but I think, I think I'm higher on him as a player. Trade him while the stock is high. He averaged like 21 yes. last year. Played on defense, good, defense. On good shooting, too. He shot like 38% on like seven threes a game. Right. He was 50, 40, 90 like two years ago. So get, mm-hmm. get him out of here. Sorry, Malcolm, but get him out of here. I'm not going to have fond memories of you. Don't, uh, let, don't let the door hit you on your ass on the way out. <laughs> what else we got? So... Um, triple option pass. We're on a little bit of a hiatus, like extended hiatus. We should, we would have had a shoulda, coulda, woulda by now. But um, if you've been following us on Twitter, you might have seen that Ryan Gregory got accepted for a job at the uh, Sun Prairie Times in Wisconsin. Love to so see shout, it. Out, shout out to him. You love to see it. 
Um, but unfortunately, that means he's had to move. He lives in Indiana. He's moving to Wisconsin. He's had to find living arrangements. So we are going to get that triple option passed out to you as soon as we can. Um, but no promises on anything. I mean, we're going to try, right? It involves two Big 12 teams that could have maybe won in 2016. That's all I'll say. Um, what else oh. do we got? Lynn Sanity. Lynn Sanity. Uh Caleb's coming at you with two a week. Zach, you've been on the Monday ones, the Monday recording on Monday ones, and then JD's been on the other ones. I mean, Linsanity's been on a fucking tear through the playoffs. Yeah, they really have. They really have. I've hopped on a couple of them with JD, and I've ripped Caleb to shreds. Shut up. I mean, <laughs> I came up, on. Caleb. Shut up. Shut up, Caleb. Pick a team, Caleb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what else we got? Battleground. Battleground was back up. Uh, couple weeks ago i think now that we're back in the regular rotation of sports and the playoffs aren't as coming hot and heavy i think battleground can make more appearances especially once we get closer to the start of football oh yeah i think we'll have more more battlegrounds but um anything what else do they need to play divine rhyme will be back this week um dylan and will just needed to get dylan was hectic coming off of vacation so be glad to see that coming up um, and then I think all that's left is cinema. What? Oh, wait, from one young soul to another. All right. Let me just repeat the thread I made on power hour this week. <laughs> normally we record this before power hour and I have to come up with a new threat, but okay. If you don't buy from one young soul to another edited by Zach Griffith, $7 and 50 cents for the hardcover, $5 for the Kindle edition. I will go to the post office and I will change your mailing address. <laughs> and listen, what's worth more, Zach getting your mail or seven dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> I would say getting your mail. I would say so too. Yeah. I and then um facts and size with JD. All right, what do we got coming down the circle drain the circle drain? Well, road to F9. F9 is coming out next week. And the road continues with Fast and Furious 6, JD Hall's favorite entry in the saga. So he'll be joined along with Devin Voss. Next week, that is happening next week. There's no doubt. It was supposed to happen uh, a couple of days ago. My internet was out because Metronet sucks, but now it's back and it is going to be recorded. Uh, <laughs> it is going to be recorded this week. Uh, our Loki coverage every Saturday, I believe. Boys in the Hood 30th anniversary with JD and his brother Jamal Jones. They're going to be talking about that as well as. Jamal and JD's movie that they recently made. I believe it's called Proverbs 31, I believe. Proverbs 31. And the trailer's on YouTube, so check that out. I can't wait to talk about that movie with those guys, as well as Boys in the Hood. Boys in the Hood, amazing film. And then favorite movies, The Wolf of Wall Street with Devin Voss. That's a classic. <laughs> Very much looking forward to this. I think it's Leo's best performance of his career. And I can't wait to talk about it with Devin Voss, his favorite movie. Hopefully when you guys talk about the movie, you move at the pace uh, Leo and Jonah Hill were on when they were on the Ludes. <laughs> Hopefully a little faster than that. I don't know, man. I, I like my pods nice and slow. Like I'm feeling like I'm on Quaaludes. So. <laughs> well, then you could slow them down using the Spotify uh, thing if you want to hear I mean, this I mean, I could, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, great to have Cinema back. Great to have you back joining me. Yes. Uh, we'll be back next week for episode three of Loki. <laughs> and as always, folks, thank you for listening.